Welcome to the After Dark Club. Gentlemen, I give you Katrina. Where the star attraction is a 2,000-year-old vampire. Grace Jones, Fab, a frightening comedy. Look, no thanks. Rated R. Hello and a welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will slice and dice or praise and hype a movie. Each and every month there's a theme and since it's February, aka the love month, I'm doing vampire movies or love sucks. I'm covering both Fright Night movies, um, that includes the remake, and Fright Night 2, the original one that is. And today's movie is 1986's A Vamp. And yes, I am aware there's a Fright Night bloody uh, 2, which was from about, what, 2013 at most, but I think it's a piece of absolute shit, so I'm not covering it. And yes, I was going to do Fright Night February, but I can't find Fright Night 2 on actual tangible DVD, so it's off YouTube for that one, unfortunately. I hate using YouTube bloody videos to cover movies because there's nothing on the fucking things. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> Here I'm looking at Vamp, starring Grace Jones, the low-budget, 80s-tastic cult vampire movie about weird street gangs, vampire strippers, and two best friends trying to get into a frat house. You know, typical 80s fare. Even though um, I bought the 30th anniversary Blu-ray, this was still pretty much bare bones, only having one 45 minute making of, kinda. And which the only thing I learned was Grace Jones was a little bit nut, uh, nutty and was a complete diva. Well, no fucking shit, it's Grace Jones. I first saw this back in the early 90s and didn't know what to think of it. With the weird neon lighting, strange street gangs and vampire, well, everything. From cops to milkmen to little girls to fucking strippers. I mean, oh my god, vampire everything. This feels like a director out of his depth. Indeed, this was the first time director and I think there was a lot of coke on the set and I'm not talking about the soda here. Anyway. Uh, back to the movie itself, with its $3 million budget, this pulled in $4.4 million and was quickly forgotten before being turned into a cult movie years later. So, let's sink our teeth into this and find out if it should be staked or not. Starring Chris Makepeace, even, Robert Rissler, Didi Pfeiffer, Giddy Watabee, Billy Draco and Grace Jones, directed by Richard Wink. The plot, two virgin best friend frat boys pledges uh, go to a strip joint in downtown Los Angeles, unaware it's ran by vampires. One of the cocktail witnesses takes a shine to one of them as the other is turned by the exotic dancer slash owner. During the night, they have to run from not almost psychotic street gangs, but vampires. Can they survive the night or will they be sucked dry? Find out here. So, the movie opens up on the New World Pictures logo, which is not a good sign. These are one step up from Canon Films and two from Troma Films, so this is going to be cheap. After the boring, plain black titles and melodramatic, omen-esque music, do we see a church bell ringing, which pans down to show the church as men in white attire, redeem as bedsheets, are dragging two half-naked men into the church to be hung by the neck. These two wannabe frat boys are best friends, Keith, played by Chris Makepeace of Meatballs fame, apparently. He has now since long since retired as an actor, 
Anne is a teacher, I believe. And AJ, played by Robert Russeller. All from Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Weird Science, Sometimes They Come Back, Babylon 5, Tales of Halloween, and a Ray Donovan. Seems he's a little bit less shy as he's wearing skin tight black CK briefs, while the other one is wearing a white t shirt and loose fitting boxers. In walks the <coughs> Master of Ceremony, aka the lead fat boy, uh, wearing a pimp medallion and red PVC robes, lip syncing his speech. By the way, the speech was done by Christopher Plummer, uh, not this fucking douchebag actor. Uh, this, I mean, he's lip syncing this song off of, off of a ghetto blaster, and here we go. The cassette tape is chewed up by a ghetto blaster, and my god, how 80s was that bloody sentence. So, uh, the master tries to continue, but AG has none of it. Back talking and bad mouth in the front house as he jumps down, removing the noose from his neck. Keith jumps down next, adding to the back talk as AJ complains they wrinkled his prized precious clothes. However, the lead frat boy tries to regain power, but AJ and Keith have none of it. Uh, so we'll get dressed and walk out, not before making a deal to get quote party favours for that night's frat party. So, with the task of getting quote party favours, aka strippers, out they walk into, no, not a churchyard, but the UCLA campus to their dorm room, uh, where Keith is playing with his bow and arrow, as AJ is trying to find a strip joint, uh, using a metal payphone, which he's carrying around, and that thing must have made a fucking ton. Ah, the things men do to see boobs. Failing badly, AJ turns to hookers. Uh, Keith says the frat house isn't really worth the hassle, so AJ opens the, the, door, uh, the dorm room door, showing a pledge being hogtied to a pole carried around as frappers spray a fight signature. What the actual fuck? With that, Keith empties his wallet of $82, making a grand total of 168 bucks. Next up on the list is a car. So they go to see the campus weirdo, the movie's words not mine, and aka a super rich guy, Duncan, played by Giddy Waterby. Of 16 Candles, Gremlins 2, check my archives. Moan, Ed TV, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and 47 Rowan. They go see him in his lavish dorm room, and I'm getting a Van Wilder vibes from this guy. Jesus. I mean, he's got like football tables and pool tables and like refrigerators and, and um, computer banks everywhere. I mean, this guy is stinking fucking rich. Anyway, moving on. All AJ wants from him is a car, however. Seems he's stinking rich yet lonely as fuck. He has to pay people to be his friends just to hang out with them. That is really sad. He lets them take one of these cars, uh, but there's a catch. He wants to go with them and they have to be his, quote, buddies for a whole week. So it takes a week to get from UCLA to downtown Los Angeles in a car. Okay then. So off the drive into the country, heading into town, singing Bad Case of Loving You by Robert Palmer really, really badly. Uh, as in the back seat, Duncan is looking up strip joints. AJ pulls the paper from him, a newspaper that is, saying he has a good feeling about a really, really fake, badly, um, bloody photoshopped actually, advert for the quote After Dark Club with Grace Jones's wild eyes as the advert. Duncan shows off his wallet filled with credit cards as they head into Los Angeles circa 1985. And how bloody 80s is that? I mean, a whole fucking slew of credit cards that just pops out in a big long list. Oh, so, God's sake. <clears throat> AJ is distracted by the buildings and peddlers selling sports socks 12 for a dollar. 
He misses a red light, so the car spins out of control. And this is a fucking huge red Cadillac. I mean, for fuck's sake, how the hell do you spin a Cadillac? Note, this car was put on wheeled coasters and had 10 grips spinning this several times until the shot was complete. Poor fucking grips. Somehow, the car goes from bustling streets to run-down streets after they stop spinning, which goes on for a good 30 seconds too fucking long. As darkness falls across the land... Midnight comes and blah blah blah. Sorry. As darkness falls, they continue down the trash-filled streets to an all-night diner, where the owner suddenly notices the sun has gone down, so tries to throw AJ and Keith out before the gang show up. So it's not an all-night bloody diner, and what the fuck does it say all-night diner on your window, then, you moron? He even goes as far as dressing as a priest. What the f- For some reason, carrying a huge plastic crucifix around his neck. What a nightmare. It's too late, however, as in walks a gang led by Snow, played by Billy Draco of Pale Rider, The Untouchables, a fuck ton of Chuck Norris movies, Tremors 4, The Hills of Ice remake, and Children of the Corn Genesis. He's an albino. Again, he's an albino with butch blonde hair. Kidding. Uh, Keith makes eyes at one of his girls, uh, who's with Snow, and she's sucking on a red Twizzler until she shows her ugly yellowed teeth and she needs a dentist fucking stat. This freaks out Keith, uh, who spits his coffee out. This offends the girl, Maven, played by Petuna Nichols. So Snow threatens to cut off Keith's balls. A bit extreme, is it not? I mean, hmm. And note, these fake teeth are really, really cheap looking. These look like they came from some cheap Halloween pop-up store. In fact, this poor actress can barely keep her mouth closed with these things in. And she can barely speak with these fucking things in. Snow spills AJ's coffee over him. Uh, This pisses off AJ as it has ruined his shirt, which looks like bloody 80s pyjamas to me. Anyway, so he pours coffee over Maven, grabs Snow by the balls and threatens to rip them off because that's a little extreme. Bloody 80s, don't just love it. AJ shouts to Duncan, who was hiding in the toilets, to come out as he casually cleans off his shirt and just walks off. Duncan badmouths them uh, from outside until AJ pulls him away into the car, saying there'll be more members to come, you fucking idiot. And I'm sorry, but these gang members have, of course, the 80s flick knife, but Snow has this huge fuck-off machete. I mean, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> anyway, cut to them pong outside the strip joint. Uh, i got to say, I'm getting a lot from Dusty Dawn from this movie. Indeed, this was actually Tarantino's favourite vampire movie, apparently. AJ goes in all alone as Keith deals with an overexcited Duncan, who is spraying breath freshener like it's going out of style, while singing I'm in a mood for love because they're naked. Classy movie. He puts up an argument, saying he's backrolled this entire week. And he is not staying outside. So in he goes with Keith a following. And I've got to say, these guys look nowhere near 21. Yet they just walk in the bar and order beers and a hooker. Well, not a hooker, a stripper. I guess this place is run by vampires, what am I saying? Hmm. Actually, scratch that. They get ID'd by club host Vic, played by Sandy Barn of Leprechaun 2 fame. Duncan flashes his cash, buying a stage front table as a stripper dressed in a hard hat slowly strips do the guys throw money at her. And one thing here, are strip joints still a thing in this post-Me Too movement world? Hmm. And note, this isn't a real bar. It's one of the many, many sound stages at UCLA. Also, the underlit neon tables were the idea of cinematographer Elliot Davis to, quote, 
class up the movie and make it look more expensive than it actually was. It was also his idea to have the buildings outside lit up with coloured neon lights and have all the weird camera angles. I mean, uh, like I said, there's a lot of coke in this set. One of the cocktail waitresses, Alison, played by Dee Dee Pfeiffer of House 3, The Horror Show, Falling Down, Sybil, Dead Zone TV show and multiple other TV shows, takes a shine to Keith, saying she knows him, yet he doesn't remember her at all. Note, her hair was invented for this movie by a hairstylist who apparently was fired off the set for punching out the DP. Again, a lot of coke in the set. And had to be reapplied every single two days or it would have stunk. Once the stripper, who doesn't actually strip, goes off stage, does a Vic introduced Katrina, played by the one and only Grace Jones of Conan the Destroyer, A View to a Kill, Boomerang and a boatload of music videos. Indeed, talk show. Um, appearances. Note, the director wanted Tina Turner, but she refused to do nudity. Also, Grace Jones doesn't say a single word in this, only grunting and growling. And one final fun fact, the song she strips to was an unreleased song called Vamp. However, it was reworked and called Seduction Surrender in a 1989 album, which I have no idea what the fuck it's called because I'm a Grace Jones fan. She comes on stage with a Blade Runner haircut, a painted white face, crazy eyes, a velvet dress, and she dry humps a chair in the shape of a human body, stripping down to a weird metal bikini thing. And what in the actual fuck did I just watch? She strips off, showing her entire body is painted with white lines. I'm guessing this is some sort of African tribal thing. Um... But it makes no bloody sense. I mean, uh, moving on. Note, according to the beta scenes, she was a nightmare to work with. Always running late or running and looking for a vibrator. What the f... She even showed up to do ADR wearing a metal dress which clanked every time she moved. So she stripped bo- bollock naked in the microphone room and just did the whole girls grunting snarls and laughing. But naked. What the actual fuck? <sighs> Moving on, AJ wants her for the frat house party. By the way, if it's now night, isn't the party happening right there and then? And let's have to drive all the way back to the fucking campus. What the fuck, movie? <sighs> dear, dear. She's done, and all the men are stunned until one slow clap, so the others join in. How the fuck does she make money if she's got all this weird experimental stripping, dancing, humping chairs, and what the fuck she's doing? How does she make money? <sighs> Moving on. AJ sweet talks his way backstage, only to be pretty much raped and eaten by Katrina. And note, Grace Jones actually bit Robert Rissler's neck with the fake fans drawing actual blood until he screams in pain, with Grace Jones calling a pussy and the entire crew laughing at him. Yeah, love, because it's hilarious. You've got this fucking, I don't know where she was, but 28, I think, your old actor pinned to a fucking chaise long and you're biting him in the neck with these fucking hideous plastic fangs drawing actual blood and he screams in pain so you call him a pussy Ugh, fucking 80s <clears throat> as this is happening another stripper is on stage who actually strips I guess this is how we got it's fucking R rated with this R rating backstage AJ wanders into Katrina's dressing room finding an Egyptian sarcophagus with Jonesy's likeness as a death mask, hinting she's really, really old. 
and dozens of paintings, which I'm guessing are done by Andy Warhol, because apparently she was Andy Warhol's muse at one point, because of course she was. As I sh said, she all but rapes him and kills him by ripping his neck fucking clean off nearly. I gotta say, her vampire transformation is pretty impressive for such a low budget. Keith goes to the toilet, finding the club bouncer, Vlad, played by Brad Logan of Trancers and Tumen Junction. Also a fuck ton of other Thoman um, features. He's shirtless, showing off dozens of bite marks, thank Renfield, and this freaks the Keith the fuck out. Vlad leaves the toilet, so Vic gets him to take out the trash, aka a drunk, uh, which I'm guessing is drained by blood, uh, drained off blood rather, and dumped, because of course they do, because this happens like several times throughout the movie, some guy just collapses in a booth as one of the strippers walks off with blood dripping from her mouth, or licking, licking her lips at least. I love the fact that Vic is a wannabe 50s mobster, always trying to quote class up the joint by putting paper umbrellas in the drinks because that's real classy, right? And also banging on about Vegas constantly, I mean it's like, we get it, you want to be a fucking Vegas mobster from the 50s, you twat. Keith walks up to Vic's podium and eats what he thinks is mint, but they're actually live cockroaches. I wonder if I actually this actor put this thing in his mouth, hmm. He spits it out and storms off to the bar to get a napkin. Here he tells a waitress about AJ being his best friend, so she runs backstage to tell Katrina AJ wasn't alone after all. Keith tells Allison he's looking for AJ, so she takes him backstage, but none of the strippers know uh, where he is or indeed who the fuck Allison is. How the hell does that work? She's a waitress working here for at least two weeks, and she has none of the strippers know who the fuck she is. I mean, uh, so Allison takes Keith back to her hotel room because she thinks that AJ has, quote, hold additions by some other stripper called Candy. I mean, this script's a fucking mess. But Keith has none of it, so Allison drags him to the fucking hotel so she can change her clothes. I gotta love the fucking 80s, I mean. I don't know if this was meant to be, but it was removed from the script, but I'm getting heavy vampire vibes from this Allison chick. I mean, she's all mysterious. Um, Every time Keith gets attacked, she disappears off, off set or stage rather, or screen. And sh weird shit happens around her, but she takes no fucking notice of it. Outside, waiting for Allison, Keith sees Vlad dragging a wheelie bin full of dead bodies to be dumped off screen. A truck driver shows up to remove the bodies, which Vlad pays using wallets and jewellery stolen from the dead bodies, I'm guessing. Allison jumps into the shadows, because of course she does, and scares Keith, so she takes him to his hotel with him saying uh, that Vlad has noticed him watching. Not too bad, Vlad runs into the club to tell Vic, who sets him up to be killed in the hotel. Walking to the hotel, Allison tells Keith she isn't a stripper. She's new in town and just took the job for money reasons. She tried to be an actress, she tried to be a dancer, she's now tried to be a waitress and... what the fuck? Again, vampire vibes. Hmm. As they're walking to the hotel, notice a little girl outside a housing complex all alone. And it must be at least, what, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning? What the fuck's a little girl doing outside? Anyway, move on. Alice tries to talk to her, but she runs inside. And here's the start of all the buildings being lit using green neon lights. It's weird and fucking eerie. Anyway, the little girl sends a milkman to follow Keith. What the fuck? Back in a club, does Vic chew out the waitress who bought AJ backstage 
to Katrina. And she just lays on as she is long. Vic wants to kill her, but Katrina growls, luring Waitress in as Katrina rips out her heart. As you do. With one punch at that, I mean. At the hotel, and why the hell do they have tinsel other Christmas stuff up? It's supposed to be fucking summer. Alison goes to her gets her room key, rather, from the front desk and takes Keith upstairs. Uh, they take the elevator, or lift, and snicker at the operator's a bad wig. The lift stops, but it's the 12th floor, not the 13th floor. Uh, Keith gets out, just as the lift doors close, does Alison scream, it's the wrong floor, again! Vampire vibes, or at least creepy-ass vibes. Uh, moving on. Keith smashes that lift call button, uh, to no avail, so he walks down the hall to the staircase at the end of the hall, and here we hear screams from the room, rooms rather, on the hallway, and men shouting at a girl how she sleeps all day, but she's up all night. Okay then. The lift comes, and Keith gets in. It's completely empty, as he gets in, the door slams shut, knocking him down and pinning him in place, as the lift heads up. Does he struggle to get free? Finally, he grabs a fire signature to stop the lift. Uh, he just gets out in the nick of time as the elevator crushes the fire signature. He runs downstairs and out. Kieran, back at the club, Vic is playing cards as Vlad listens to him bitch and moan. And I love the lighting in here and how everything in this room is either mobster related or Vegas related. Turns out Vlad is in love with Katrina, but she just uses him for blood donations, I'm guessing. And I want to know something, he's supposed to be the actual Dracula, Vlad the Impaler? Hmm. Keith is now running through the empty neon lit streets, straight into Allison. Handy that. Again, vampire vibes. Who is heading back to the club? Keith grills her, but she says she knows absolutely nothing. He then snaps at her, telling her he almost was killed by the elevator and the events of earlier on in the movie, i.e. the gang members, etc, etc. She storms off, leaving Keith all alone on the streets. Again, vampire vibes. As back in the club, a now fully drunk Duncan hits on every woman he sees. Keith walks the streets and bumps into Snow and his gang, because of course they would find him that easily. Who are driving a hearse for some reason? Keith runs for his life down the sewers, and now stuck down there, he explores the weird pink neon lit sewers. Finding a storm grate, he sees the creepy little girl from earlier skipping down the road to Hall Alone. One of Snow's gang members approaches her and she just attacks him, biting him in the arm and killing him. Okay, is everyone around here a vampire? Also, what are my rules of horror? 1. Never take a shower in a strange place. 2. Do not trust old people or children. And 3. If spooky shit happens, get the fuck out of there! She quickly kills him off screen. Seeing this, Keith runs for it. And note that these sewers aren't real either, they'll get more sound stages. As Keith runs, he bumps into a bum eating a rat. So he runs off to find a brick wall, which he just kicks down, because as you do. And this leads the way up and out. Up he goes to be chased by yet more of Snow's gang. Running down a dead end alley, does Keith jump into a dumpster? And here he finds AJ's dead body. Of course he does. This freaks him out, so he jumps out, uh, trying to flag down uh, the dump truck, uh, but it just tries to run him down instead. Again, is everyone in this area a fucking vampire? Also, wouldn't he be suspicious it's now about 2 in the morning and there's a dump truck running around the streets? I mean... 
Keith barely escapes again and he runs to another payphone to call the cops. As back at the club, Katrina is displeased with Vic for fucking this whole thing up. Wait, you're trying to tell me this club has been here for years and years, if not decades? And this is the first time this fuck-up has actually happened? I think not. Vic begs Katrina to move to Vegas, but she plays with a razor blade, saying absolutely nothing. Vlad is told to get the <coughs> trash, aka AJ, and turns him into a vampire. As Katrina opens up her veins, she offers Vic some of her blood. She sits in and slurps up, so he's not all Renfield then. Back in the club, Keith tries to get Duncan out and tell her what the fuck is happening, but he's too drunk to give two shits. Keith goes into the men's room to clean up. You fucking think a month of scrubbing and roasting hot showers wouldn't clean the sewer smell out of you, especially fucking 80 sewers for fuck's sake. And also, shouldn't he have noticed there's no mirrors anywhere in this club, including backstage? I mean, all the mirrors are taken down from the toilets, all the mirrors are from taken down from the behind the, the um, bar, and there's none backstage. And here, AJ rips the stall door off the hinges, because Keith heard him coming and hid. Uh, and tries to explain it's all just a joke and he's fine. Yeah, because you'd be stripped naked, have your neck ripped open, look drained of all your blood, then dumped in some random dumpster, just in the hope your best friend would find you for a joke. Uh, Vic comes in to tell them the cops have arrived and want to talk to him. The cops don't believe the story because why would they? Of vampire strippers and gangs and little girl vampires and whatever. So Vic takes him off to <clears throat> see the last act, leaving Keith and EJ with a stripper who tries to turn Keith. Again, shouldn't Keith have noticed no mirrors in this dressing room at all, they're only neon lit lights? I mean, uh, dear, oh dear. the stripper vamps out, so Keith kills her with a Sorry, Keith hits her, rather, with a wooden chair. And why the fuck would vampires have wooden chairs? I mean, easy stakes. Uh, after sh she, quote, knocks out AJ, does Keith stake her with a high-heeled shoe, killing her there and then? So high heels can kill vampires now. Okay then. AJ vamps out next, so Keith stakes him. Luckily, he has not fed yet, so he's only a halfling vampire. AJ, in full vamp mode, comes up to Keith, saying he loves him, but he must eat him. But he's fighting it because how much he actually loves Keith. Okay then. Keith points out AJ is now undead and must stick with all the other, quote, boring undead. So AJ begs to be staked by Keith, but Keith refuses to stake him, so AJ stakes himself. Okay then. With that, Keith runs into the bar to get Duncan out, but here Allison finds them and tries to leave with them. But... Drunk Duncan refuses to say he's paid 50 bucks to have one of these hookers, or strippers. Now trapped, as Vic has him surrounded by dozens of vampires, does Vic try to explain they're fucked as no one knows they're here? He also tells them he only kills bums, drunks, junkies, waste of spaces that no one gives a fuck about. But he runs a quote classy joint, because he thinks he's a fucking Vegas mobster. Idiot. So Keith asks for one last drink before he dies. Brandy, which he spills everywhere and then lights the place on fire. With the place in flames, Keith, Duncan, Allison and... Sorry, Keith, Duncan and Allison run backstage and use the back way out, aka the 
booze elevator thing. As the club burns around, Vic, he is still bitching him when he wants to go to Vegas. Uh, guess he's been stuck in this shitty little club since at least 1938, because there's a calendar in one of the dressing rooms that says 1938, and he misses the mob days, because reasons? Keith and company make it back to the Cadillac. With Duncan in the back seat, they speed off, only to be T-boned by the pickup truck from earlier. So Keith speeds off down the pavement or sidewalk, being chased by the pickup truck, and the dump truck comes out of absolutely fucking nowhere. So now sandwiched between the pickup truck and the dump truck, speeding head first both ways, Keith has no way out until he waits for a man to move his car. Really, mate? You do not see the fucking face-off of a pickup truck and fucking dumpster truck? Uh, he barely escapes, causing the dump truck to plough into the pickup, killing all on board. As they drive off, dude... Does drunk... Yeah, I'll say that again. Does Duncan vamp out? He grabs Allison. This causes Keith to crash into a car park, blowing up the Cadillac, because it's an 80s car, and of course it does. Because... Burst tyres makes the car explode. With that, they're on to a handy-dandy gun store just down the street. It's caged up, so Keith tries to smash open the cage using a trash can until Alison points out, suspiciously, that the cage was actually already bent. Again, is she supposed to be a vampire or at least an undead creature that they changed last minute? Because this is a hell of a lot of coincidence in this chick. Once inside, Keith finds a bone arrow. Handy that. Also, handy he's an all-state champion with the bow and arrow. He holds Allison at bow point, demanding she tell him who the fuck she actually is. She tells him she's not a vampire, so he saves her just as the dumpster driver was going to kill her. Because... Eh? She storms out yet again. Just leave this chickalary for fuck's sake. Oh, she does just storm away. Keith runs after her, armed with only four arrows. They run to a bus, but yes, you've guessed it, he's a vampire, because of course he is. Seconds later, they're surrounded by dozens of vampires, including the cops from earlier, because... reasons? Snow comes out of nowhere and plows down four, so Keith grabs Allison and runs for it, leaving Snow's gang to take on the vampires. Before going down the sewers, does Allison finally tell Keith who she is? They met at some summer camp, and they kissed once in 7th grade, the end. Now in the sewers, they run into the crypt where all of Katrina's vampires sleep. And this is one fucking huge crypt. With only one arrow left, what the fuck happened to the other three? They have no choice but to hide as all the vampires return to their coffins. Handily, there's drums of gasoline down there, just lying around, as you do. So Keith knocks him over and sits him alight, killing everybody in fire. With the sewers burning, everyone dead, does Alison get kidnapped by Katrina? And thank fuck this movie only has 10-15 minutes left. This is fucking ridiculous. With his last arrow, does Keith hit Katrina square in the mouth, pinning the undead fiend to the wall, allowing Alison to escape. This doesn't kill the Egyptian vampire, however, even after Katrina stakes her with a pipe. They run off, but are stopped as Katrina pulls out the arrow and pipe. Thankfully, Keith notices the sun has arisen, so steps under a board, a wooden board for some reason. Uh, waiting for Katrina, she approaches him, so he moves the board, and now she's trapped as the sunlight burns her up. Uh, I love the fact how as she 
burns up the skeleton gives them the finger and also love the fact this movie is so cheap you can actually see a grip of fucking off camera moving the skeleton's hand rounds and giving the finger actually in fucking shot also earlier when the cadillac crashed there's a rope holding back the cadillac so it doesn't actually uh, crash this movie is so fucking cheap one little thing here why do vampires never notice it's almost dawn also, if this was her hideout, then why have easily moved wooden boards covering a hole? Also, how the fuck does sunlight get underground in sewage systems? For fuck's sake, this movie. Now, leaving the sewers, AJ notices the sun is fully up, so gets Alison to move the manhole cover, bathing her in sunlight, but she's human. Vlad comes out of nowhere and grabs Alison, but luckily he's killed by AJ. As it turns out, earlier, the stake wasn't wood but plastic, so AJ isn't dead. Alison runs for it in fucking utter fear, straight into the sunlight with Keith following next. As down in the sewers, AJ complains he needs new clothes and says he'll do night school or a graveyard shift job. Keith kisses Alison, then tells AJ he'll take care of everything for AJ to follow them down in the sewers. Another fact, these sewers lead to a blood bank. Anywho... Credits roll. So that was Vamp, a very weird cooked out of his mind vampire movie that makes no fucking sense. It goes all over a shot. First, we have your atypical 80s sex teen comedy, and then we have a warrior's wannabe of the street gangs, and then it goes into vampire territory. And this whole cocktail makes no fucking sense. It's cheap. I mean, the effects are good and all, but it's so fucking cheap. It's badly written with bad jokes and Grace Jones does nothing but vogue and hiss at the fucking camera. Totally and utterly waste of time. No wonder this fucking thing tanked. I'm going to give this thing a ridiculously low 3 out of 10. Still, come back next week for Freak Night and rest in a month for more vampire goodness. So, I don't forget to like, share, comment and subscribe. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. And email me your suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other horror podcasts of Underworld, Blade, Hellraiser, House and more. Also my solo podcast of Dracula, They Live, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark and many, and many more. A bye, and have to have some garlic bread. And remember, I watch these movies so you don't have to. Bye bye.